This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. It covers a wide variety of guests and topics. If you have any comments or suggestions for the program, please contact Bridget. That's B-R-I-G-I-D, Bridget, at catholicradioindy.org or call us at 317-870-8400. And now, here's today's edition of Faith in Action. Hi, this is Corky Aiken, and I am not Jim Ganley. He is off today, and I have stepped in for him. To my left is Bridget Eyre. Hey, Corky. Who you do remember all the time. And we have a returning guest today, Father Patrick Dolan, who's going to pick up where we left off a little while ago on traditions, according to how your family responds to the church calendar. And we talked about Christmas and Advent in our first show. And now that we're getting closer to Easter and Lent, we're going to look at those things. But before we do that, Father Pat, please accept our welcome back. And if you would bless us with an opening prayer, we would be very appreciative. Absolutely. Lord God, as the the nights become a little bit shorter and less scary as the days become brighter and little bits of the first touch of greenery start to poke their way up through the ground with crocuses or start to show themselves on the leaves of trees. We beg the grace from you to start entering into the season of Lent and the season of Easter where you give a new sprouting of faith and hope within us all as we walk with our Lord and Savior through Lent and we rejoice with him in Easter. Give us, we beg you, the grace to appreciate this most gracious of gifts that you give us in the form of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, particularly as he leaves with us the gift of his body and blood in the most sacred Eucharist. We ask your blessing and we ask your wisdom and insight. This program and all that we do. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Well, thanks, Father Pat. We, we we love talking with you, and you are like myself. You, you're Irish, and you have the gift of gab. So we did a show back in uh, December uh, of 2023 talking about the season of Advent and Christmas and how to incorporate family traditions into your family. And we, we actually ran out of time, so we are picking it back up, and we're going to talk about Lent and Easter and how we can really incorporate meaningful traditions in our family. So before we get into all that, give us a little bit about your background. People who've listened to you before know you have, you're a very interesting priest and scientist. So talk a little bit about your background. Well, just recently, in fact, we had a gold mass, which there are various colors of masses, red for legal profession, blue for first responders, white for medical personnel and things like that. And the gold mass is for scientists. It started just a few years ago, and the Louisville Archdiocese is the first one that's done it as an archdiocese. Others have done it at universities and things, where we recognize and appreciate scientists. We give them special blessing and their equipment and stuff, and kind of get over that hump of a little bit of fear and animosity that might be there, because there is no conflict between science and faith. Science has been taught in all of our Catholic universities from the very beginning, from the 1100s on. And once we finally understood what a lot of the sciences were, from light and physics to chemical structures and biological things and medicine, I mean, we, we've done lots and lots of good things there. So we've had that gold mass. So my background is doctorate in theology, doctorate in science, to help kind of bridge that gap. 
I've been working on it, and it's it was a struggle because in my second year in divinity school in Rome, I was studying St. Thomas's description of the Eucharist, and it looked too much like a chemical reaction thing. And if you take the history of things down, it would have been, but I know it's not a chemical reaction. And then he goes into very spiritual stuff that is quite different and says we're supposed to presume that the bread and wine cease to exist and that the body and blood of Christ come and only their accidents. And I had a lot of trouble with that. I remember crying on my way to and from school, thinking I was going to have to leave the church and stuff. But I, I had really good professors. The dean of the School of Philosophy at the Angelicum in Rome and two full theology professors spent an hour with me in a room the size of a card table, mm-hmm. and we stood facing each other, and they went back and forth and talked with me, and they were very sound Dominicans, deeply schooled in St. Thomas's thought. And finally, at the very end, the dean said to me, well, you're definitely wrong, because you're not Thomistic, but you're <laughs> definitely Catholic, and that's all I needed to know. And then I went back and looked at Trent, and the Council of Trent, in its acts, left open all the possibilities of the things that I was was looking at, how the body and blood of Jesus take over the bread and wine and don't destroy them, make them a part of things. So that's how science and, and theology came together in me. And I've shared that with other people, and they've, they've loved it, especially the scientists that, that make them feel okay, including evidence of why we have reasons to believe physically the body and blood of Jesus is there. We've got his words, we've got miracles, we've got all the effects of having people that have had that around. But even more, you can sense it when you walk into church. Not all the time, but you can sense it enough that you can tell. Machines can't, because it's not designed for machines. It's designed for humans. They can sense that the Our Lord and Savior is there is something more than just bread and wine that's symbolic. It's there that's real. You can sense his presence there. Absolutely, and that that's so apropos because in just a few months, depending on when you're yeah. listening to this, Indianapolis is the epicenter of the Eucharistic Congress, which is going to be culminating the three years of the Eucharistic Revival. I'm sure our listeners just got a little bit more than they, they bargained for when we're talking about tradition, that you brought in all that knowledge of what, what yeah. is the Eucharist. And it, it is real. Anyone that goes to, to Mass or they go to the Eucharistic Adoration Chapel, they know that Jesus is there. And it's it's such a great it, blessing. It's a resonance from your soul to the actual reality of Jesus Christ. There, we can we can resonate with it, and that best word I've got for that one. Perfectly well put. Thank you, Father. We're talking with Father Pat Dolan, and we're talking about traditions. Thanks for giving that info about your background. But let's talk a little bit about Lent and Easter, and how we can kind of incorporate traditions into our family life, or into our workplace, or wherever we we spend our time. Well, there are lots of things that people do with different months of the year. They, they do Valentine's and, and put-up hearts and things like that. In February, they do a lot of St. Patrick's stuff and things like that. And then they start to get into other things in April and May and things like that. But uh, the big thing that happens as Lent begins is just a couple of days before Lent, you have Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that that was just something that people did in in New Orleans and got drunk on the street, but there's there's a deeper reason for it. A lot of the traditions that are important to us are when spring comes and people start coming out of their houses a bit more and getting with other people. And in uh, Louisiana and the far south of our country, 
mm-hmm. Mardi Gras is when spring comes. And so they would get with other people, and the purpose of Mardi Gras, is there are a lot of things they couldn't eat during Lent. So they'd eat them beforehand, but they were more than one family could eat, so they deliberately go out and invite other people. So it became a chance to celebrate with others. Now, if you're going to be in Louisiana, you're going to have music. It's going to be wonderful. Whether or not you have things to drink is questionable, although there are snakes there, so you have something for snake bite, you know. That's, mm. that's my story. <laughs> for sure. It's <laughs> good. But they will have music if they're going to have good things to eat. And a lot of times they had to use up the fat because the regulations for Lent were very strict in the United States. Much more strict than I found them in Italy or other places that they they didn't want to touch any portion of meat or any meat product or anything. So they didn't want to use the meat fat. Uh, So they'd make these donuts called beignets. They're little square things, but they're they're very good. And they'd eat all kinds of good stuff. Another word for Mardi Gras that Tuesday is carne vale, which is carne meat, vale, goodbye. Mm. So it's the last time they were going to get meat. And the idea of Lent was that made the rich people live like the poor people during that whole time frame and walk with Jesus Christ through it. That doesn't work real well in our contemporary society, which is why they've reduced the fasting and abstinence, particularly because the fish and eggs and other kind of things were more expensive than a lot of the meat products. Mm-hmm. And so it became a burden for the poor rather than a blessing for them. But there are things that you can do, especially with little kids. Not only the real meaning of Mardi Gras and the little kind of things. And they, they often have a little king cake where you find the baby. Mm-hmm. And then can you find the baby Jesus in other people, even people that seem a little bit obnoxious to you. And that takes a little bit of effort, just like you got work your way through the, the the sponge cake. You have to work your way through the outsides of, of other people sometimes. But the big thing is, in Lent, you can get big kids to deliberately help little kids understand things. And when big kids have the chance to kind of demonstrate their skills, it makes a difference. That You've always heard that when you study something, it's easy and you don't really learn it. When you have to teach it, it's another story entirely. And you really learn it. So when you have older kids helping little kids understand each week of Lent what it's like to be in temptation, what it's like to go through transfiguration, what it's like to do any of the kinds of things that we describe each year, to have forgiveness like the the woman at the well. And other traditions have a little jar for each small child, like the... Uh, kind of manger mm-hmm. that they had uh, at Advent and Christmas time, and have a lot of these little tiny nails, almost even like thumbtacks or something like that. And each day, if they've done something really good, they get to take a nail away from the cross, and if you will, and put it in the jar. So each little kid can do that, and sometimes you may have to have the older kids helping them do that, and and they can they can appreciate Lent as it's coming about. Another thing they can do is stay stations at home. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be the whole 14 stations every time. You can do one or two a day. I, I've got a story for you about fish fries. When I was in Clemensville, Kentucky, which was very rural parish, started about uh, late, it's late 1700s. It was officially a parish in 1802. It has a daughter parish in, in the county seat at Liberty. But we'd have a fish fry there every Friday during Lent. 
And we had a lot of people who were not Catholic showing up, and they get showing up earlier and earlier and earlier and wanting our workers to start selling them the fish. I told them, no, they can't do that, because right when we're supposed to start, I think it was like 4 o'clock or 4.30, something like that, I do two of the stations real quick, mm-hmm. take less than a minute. And then by the time Lent was over, the six weeks, they'd have all the stations done. And the folks that were there were standing in line wanting their fish like the stations. Because it was, again, less than a minute with each one. A little description of it and then a little prayer and a little blessing. And then they got their fish. And the next week, I got the next two stations. I had a lot of non-Catholics really appreciating the, the prayer of the stations as they progressed. So with kids with short detention spans, you can just do one station or something like that, or, or a second one on a Friday and things like that in Lent, and kind of continue to go with that. And then the fact that they're giving up something during Lent, they're giving up meat on Friday, is a big thing grandparents can talk about. Uh, they used to have to fast as well as abstain, mm-hmm. and it, uh, how they had to measure the amount of food and all that kind of thing and weigh it so that they didn't eat too much, and it, they could look at candy and couldn't touch it. <laughs> and those stories are, are, are pretty good because people remember them. But the stations at home work pretty well. And I, I recommend a little thumbtacks or, or a little carpet tacks and a jar for each child. Sometimes the kids uh, kind of compare how many meals are in each jar and things like that. Those so tangible, yeah, those tangible things are really are really memorable. We got we got to take a quick break. We're going to come back. And we're going to talk more about uh, family traditions and how we can can make our faith that much more meaningful in our family lives and in our culture. So stay tuned for more. I'm Steve Alec, parishioner at Saint Maria Goretti Parish in Westfield. And I can't start my day unless it goes to 90.9 or dialing up the Catholic Radio Indy phone number on my cell phone. And it is the spiritual vitamin that I need to get my mind focused on Christ, which impacts my entire life as a disciple of Jesus, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a co-worker. I can't say enough of what Catholic Radio has done for me and the small but mighty team at Catholic Radio Indy is a group that I'm very grateful for. Thanks for all you do, and and the whole team at Catholic uh, Radio Indy appreciate all that you do. Do you sometimes think that nobody prays for you? Does it seem like your concerns and worries aren't shared by anybody else? If so, then put that away. We here at Catholic Radio Indy pray for you, our listeners, every single day. If you have a special prayer request, go to www.catholicradioindy.org and let us know. We lift up our listeners' prayers each morning. It's how we start our workday. Let us pray for you, and may God bless you abundantly. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Ear. Corky Aiken and I are in the studio, and we're talking with our guest, Father Pat Dolan. He is from Southern Kentucky and a pastor of, of three parishes down there, Holy Spirit, Good Shepherd, and Holy Redeemer. And we're talking about the importance of family traditions, and we're we're focusing on Lent and Easter right now. So, Father Pat, uh, we were just mentioning about some of the things that we can be doing during the Lenten season. Do you wanna, did you have anything else to add to that, or do we want to move into Easter? Well, no, it transitions very beautifully into Holy Week with oh, Palm sure. Sunday. Yeah. And the kids get palms. There are people that have woven them into different things. 
Most of the time, the little kids just hit each other with the palms before they get out of church. And, <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> but they can remember them. What we always did was we put them on a crucifix in our room. Yeah. Right. And every room had their own crucifix, and then we blessed the palms. But then we brought back the palms the next year before Lent started, and the parish would burn them and make the ashes. Yes. For Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the palms are real and good. The, the next thing that you've got is, well, you've got Monday and Tuesday of Holy Week. Tuesday of Holy Week has become the kind of common time when they do the Chrism Mass mm-hmm. at cathedrals and where the priests renew their vows of obedience and, and duty to uh, the Archbishop and to our Lord. And then they consecrate the three oils, and yeah. it's really kind of an exciting time. Those who have been to a Christmas Mass often want to come back. Yeah, they're I super cool. Folks have been to they, they really are. It's very And they always, at least in the Woolwash Diocese, had them on a Tuesday evening, and they had really cool reception food afterwards. For sure. <laughs> they remember the oil, they, they got the sandwiches and a few other little things. But then the next day is Spy Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We can tell the stories about how Judas betrayed our Lord and how do we betray one another. So that's a discipline day for parents. And then Holy Thursday is really, really cool because... You have, a lot of times they do kind of a Seder meal, either at home. We always had lamb on, on Holy Thursday. When I got old enough, I was able to make the supper for my parents and then had to get done before we got to the evening mass. I remember when Holy Week liturgies were changed by Pius Twelfth and brought back to what they're supposed to be. Because they used to be early in the morning and things on Holy Thursday and Holy Saturday, and he brought them back to the evenings. Interesting. And I remember the priest trying to figure out what to do. I've got a scary, scary story. My mother was in the choir, which was in the back of the church, and it was a very small choir loft. So she put me, I think I was in second grade or so, right in the very front pew of church for Holy Saturday. And then they turned out all the lights. And then I heard it smelled smoke coming oh. from just outside, and I didn't know what was going on. This is the very first time they did this. So the priest didn't know quite what they were doing. I was all still in Latin. And then they came in and did lots and lots of readings and stuff like that. I think I fell asleep during most of the readings, but I was awake for uh, church. But our church was made out of cinder block, and there were these little accordion doors that they could close off the sanctuary because they would make it into four other classrooms if they needed to during the, the school year. Well, it was the first time I'd ever seen the sanctuary closed off, and the place was dark, and then finally they got to the Gloria, and they opened up those accordion doors. There was the altar and all of its Easter glory with all of its candles lit, and the bells were ringing, and the choir was singing the Gloria. My heart skipped a beat still, and I remember to this very day, vividly, the experience of, of Holy Saturday taking place, and the change from the emptiness of broken sin into the glory of the resurrection. Beautifully done. Before that, people used to go uh, to different churches to see where they would repose the Eucharist in the side chapels and decorate them with all kinds of flowers. And our young Catholics in the Louisville area do that still to this very day. Um, It's a new tradition. They do it in the evening, and then they go out for beer afterwards and stuff. (laughs) But uh, but they do. They they meet and they kind of carpool from one church to another. They go to seven different churches and pray before the Eucharist in its special spot on Holy Thursday evening, Good Friday, 
and then they, they go out for beer and celebrate. That's really awesome. We're talking with Father Pat Dolan, and we're talking about family traditions. We have about six minutes left. I want to get into um, Easter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Why do we have eggs? And there are <laughs> a lot of traditions where they see that the yolk in the egg is like the bright sun shining an Easter morning, kind of coming out from the tomb, and there are oh, various places where they take the egg out of the shell with, you know, just a little tiny hole, and they siphon it out of there, and then they decorate it, and decorate inside. You've seen a number of these eggs where you look into it, and the outside's nice, but the inside is just wonderful, and they, they make these things often during the real cold winters when farmers couldn't do much of anything else that was creative, so they make all kinds of wonderful things, and we used to have Easter egg hunts, and we divide them up into different sections because there was one for adults, and we didn't want the adults trampling the little kids. But they, the adults would fight over the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> the Christian was, way. Was, there you go. Well, well, because it was right before Easter, you know, like the Saturday, so I do, I do confessions afterwards. <laughs> and so they'd have something to confess. They'd have little toy swords or axes and stuff, and they'd fight with each no, other. They, I think they were nerfed but they were good. Uh, the thing is, if there weren't a couple of eggs that were found, uh, by the middle of May or you something found like that, the rabbits would eat them. And, oh, and the, the whole Easter season continues, uh, and then it has that much of a flavor for kids, but they're so busy mm-hmm. with the end of the school year right. at that point. So, and Chris, so the, I was going to ask, Christmas, Christmas continues that, on. And uh, you know, Catholic yes. Christmas continues exactly. on. What does Easter do? Does it does it mimic that? Is, I mean, is is the Easter? We I mean, we all know about uh, all the way to Pentecost. But what? Yes. Can, where do we? What can we? Pentecost? Uh, pardon me, but it's a little dry. Um, yeah. How we, can we, we enliven it? Pentecost says it's the fire of the Holy Spirit. So we would do kind of candle processions and stuff. And Easter is when uh, spring comes in places like Italy. Mm-hmm. Pentecost is when spring comes in Germany. So they celebrate Pentecost with a great big thing. They have uh, parades outside and, and things like that. In the United States, the whole season gets blended a little bit, mm-hmm. and it gets lost with all the secular things. But folks still know Pentecost, and you might have a, a, a big feast. The big thing is in England, they used to have tournaments with knights on Easter and Pentecost, or Ascension first and then Pentecost, and then they'd have them at, like, Feast of St. Peter and Paul or the Feast of St. George or things like that. But those big feast days were times when they'd have tournaments. So you can have bicycle races, and sometimes they do. Um, there, there are neat things that can be done with that. Um, but you want to get into a little bit of summer as well. Memorial Day at the end of May, visiting cemeteries and praying for all the people there because that started at the end of the Civil War with people from the Confederacy that were decorating their people's graves, but then also decided to decorate the Union graves as well. And that was a reconciliation, starting from those who had lost, rather uh, than starting from those who had won. I didn't know and that's, that. that's a big lesson. That's very big. big. Lesson. That's very big. And yeah, I think if we... If, 4th, go ahead. Go ahead. July 4th pulls it all back together, because we're one nation. Right. And, and we, we do work on that. And everyone celebrates it. And there are different food traditions, usually hot dogs and things like that and stuff like that. Uh, Labor Day, again, accents the value of work. There's a dignity to it. When you accomplish something, when you can see the work done, not just on a computer or or something like that, but when you can 
feel the grass is cut right. and the place looks good. Right. You know, and, and so there are accents that you can do with kids. Then Halloween is is really the vigil of all hallows. Yeah. And you can talk about saints, but you can talk about how saints protect you against the, the demons and goblins and stuff that are there. Not just secular saints, but real religious ones that are good. All coming up to, to Thanksgiving again. And, Thanksgiving and back to Advent and, and Christmas. And they start all over again. We are. Well, we, you can, but Thanksgiving kind of completes it because I can remember when I was in Rome on the night before Thanksgiving, because none of, no one else in Rome celebrated Thanksgiving. We would have a little Vespers with a slideshow of all of the different uh, images of the different states. And since we were from all parts of the United States and we weren't just college students that had come from there, but we were going back to our diocese forever. Yeah. to serve there and then be buried there. You know, that was a big thing, and I can remember. Nobody left it with a dry eye. But we were grateful, not just for God's goodness, but grateful for the specifics of his goodness. And little kids can know something about that, that, it, that they're grateful. They, that's one of the first kind of emotions that, that can come to people. You can see it even in babies' eyes and stuff when you, you take good care of them. For but sure. There's a gratitude that, that it radiates, and it's a uniquely American feast. Today it's become kind of politically incorrect to talk about it, and I, I don't buy that. I, I argue against them. If, if they insist that I not celebrate these things or celebrate in their way, I refuse and tell them that they're being oppressive by stopping me from celebrating my tradition, and if they don't stop it, I will bring a lawsuit against them for trying to impose their style on me. I'm just not going to take this politically correct stuff. Well, um, we all need to. We, we all need to adopt that. No kidding, because <laughs> um, we need to stand firm in, in in these wonderful, beautiful traditions that our our faith gives us. And you have been um, so uh, great. We are so grateful that you've been able to share this time with us. Uh, our guest has been Father Pat Dolan, um, a priest of Southern Kentucky, yep, the Archdiocese of Louisville. Archdiocese of Louisville. Mm-hmm. And can you give our listeners a blessing before we go? Absolutely. May the Lord God bless you in every season of the year. May he bless you as you begin Lent, and may you enter it with a wonderful sense of repentance, not just for ourselves, but because we are a community with the rest of the world and the universal church. A repentance for the things that any of us have done wrong, because we can help each other grow in grace. May you move through Lent, growing closer to Jesus Christ in his sufferings, and in the love that inspired his sufferings to make them worthwhile. May you be filled with a joy that radiates from the interior of those sufferings and that sacrifice that you made, parallel to what Christ made. And may you come to Easter in ways that let the risen Christ make the whole world around you more worthwhile and complete. For without him, it would be empty and just one season after another, empty. May you fill it with the grace of Christ beautifully and well. And may God give you his blessing as you do all these good things in every season of the year, from the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Faith in Action. 
the program that looks at how ordinary people are putting their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is produced by Catholic Radio Indy. This program and all Faith in Action programs can be heard or downloaded as podcasts from catholicradioindy.org. If you have a comment or suggestion for guests or topics for the program, please contact Bridget. That's B-R-I-G-I-D, Bridget at catholicradioindy.org or call us at 317-870-8400. This program has been pre-recorded. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy.